Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com? There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Again, thank you, Brian, for those announcements. And good morning to you guys who are watching streaming live and to us here in our room uh, we have a minimal gathering. We're minimalists right now, but it's good to kind of see you guys. And, and just sharing with, I was sharing with the people here, and I'll share with you guys online. Um, because we're able to gather in small groups and we are distancing and we're wearing masks, we're being respectful of each other. If you want to give a hug and they say, yeah, give me a hug, then you guys can hug. You know, those things are fine. Uh, but if you want to come join us in this minimal gathering, please sign up. I know a lot of people, just about everyone who did sign up said, well, I don't want to take someone else's place. And I so appreciate that, but I do want to see as many of you as possible. So if you're okay with coming down in a small setting, again, there's about 10 of us in the room right now, um, then please do. Please come on down and we can put you in to do that. Just go to the Genesis Story, info at thegenesisstory.com and say, yeah, I'd like to come to the gathering. And then we'll get back in touch with you and say, hey, we got a seat for you. And what I want to do, and I told everyone here at the beginning, is after my talk, I'd like to just talk with everybody about their get feedback from what they you know, heard you want to stick around just kind of have a little bit more because it's a smaller group we can actually have a little deeper dialogue i think and i'd love to do that with you guys um so that's one of the things that i just wanted to let you guys know um we also are putting an event together um i'll let you guys know more information uh later on but i'm really excited about this something that we can do um at the park and we can do it with a larger number of people and still do the distancing um, and keep it safe and also invite a lot of other people to be a part of it. Again, we're working out some details and it'll uh, let you know more. Brian will kind of fill you in probably in those details in the time that comes. Uh, I know that a lot of things are still in transition, so we're going to kind of put that together and see what happens. I do have some sad news for uh, many of you who've gone to Mexico with us, especially in Vizcaino or some of the things that we've done locally when we did a concert at a park. Uh, Our friend Obed, who did the music for a lot of the events we did, passed away uh, last night. Uh, He had COVID-19 and he succumbed to that, whatever other uh, things were going on in his body. He's a young man in his 30s, late 30s. He has a wife and three children. Uh, He might be in his 40s, but um, there was no other 
pre-lining health conditions. And so we're saddened by that news and praying definitely for his family. Um, and again, it is why we still are taking precautions, right? Because those things are a reality. And so, I mean, I'm imagining that by this time, you guys know or know somebody who knows uh, someone who's had COVID. I think I've known about three people who have had COVID. And this is the first person that I personally know who has passed away from it. And it is just heartbreaking. So we want to continue praying for uh, the health of the people of this world and for the people we are in contact with. And again, I, I... trust you guys are doing things. I know one of the people who were supposed to be here this morning texted me and said they weren't feeling well. And so I appreciated them saying, I'm not feeling well, so I'm not going to go this morning. And I said, thank you, you know, and we miss you, but thank you for not saying, well, it's okay. I'm going to come, <coughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> um, anyway, we do want to be safe and maintain this. A lot has happened in the last six months, and a lot is happening still. There's a lot of transition. I mean, you guys who are here, you're seeing the new setup. This is kind of a new normal that's going to be taking place, and we're still working out the bugs for it. You guys are probably hearing all the the banter in the back saying, no, not yet. No, (laughs) Rick, stop it. No, (laughs) you're hearing all the different things going on, and you see all the cords and the wires, and this is something that we're setting up now every Sunday to make this happen, and we're trying to figure out how we can set it up so it's not so in the way. we can still gather, but other things are happening as well. There's, there's a lot of changes in Genesis, and we're going to see what Genesis looks like when we are finally able to meet all together. There's some changes in our leadership uh, that are still going on and progressing. Um, I don't know that we're able, gonna, able to be all together like we used to be until probably next year, uh, and I don't know when. It, it's all still up in the air. I mean, it's so strange now. People are wearing masks, not just because of COVID, because of smoke and ash in the air, right? I mean, it's just crazy out there. Um, And so at least for us here in Southern California, and I think a lot of places in California. um, Anyway, I say all this because I still believe the best is yet to come. I still believe that God is doing something. You know, just talking with Brent earlier and all the changes happening in your life, right? The the loss of the job, the vehicle breaking down. And he's like, hey, this is good. I've been praying for change and I'm getting it, right? It's like not the change I wanted, but it's change. And more than change, it's progress, Right? It's moving forward, and that's what we want to do. I, I don't want you know to just gather into a building, but I want to, again, gather into the movement that God has started in Christ, and that's always been our desire. And so I trust that that's going to continue to happen, and I'm excited about some of the things that are still taking place. We're just having to adapt and change and, and work on the fly many times to make things happen. And so thank you guys for, again, being a part of what is happening here at Genesis in so many ways. And again, hopefully we can find ways to connect with you all in in more and more ways as time goes on. Well, this morning we are in Daniel chapter 9, and I'm going to talk to you about broken records, tricycles, graduation ceremonies, splinters, and Tom Petty. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Now, 
Daniel 9 is really the heart of this book. And there is a lot here. And as I was going through it, I found myself so moved by this first portion that I'm probably going to do a second part later. We, we have seen through Daniel this almost broken record of just repetition. Of you guys who used to play on vinyl, you might remember this. I know everything's digital now, but we used to put on the album and you had the needle and you'd put it on. And if your album had a scratch on it, right? Sometimes it would just zit, zit, it'd just keep going back and back and back. And it was like, nerve-wracking, right? It was a broken record. Something was wrong with it where it just kept repeating, repeating, repeating. And that's what we've been seeing in Daniel. We've been seeing these empires of man just doing harm to the people of God. And it happened over and over again through the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and, and through the vision of Daniel. We're seeing that repetition happening over and over again. But we're seeing in chapter nine a, a change. We're seeing that there is not just the empires, the evil empire bringing harm. We see now in chapter 9 a responsibility for the people of God to live in accordance with who God is. Now, you can call it the will of God, the character of God, but God is desiring to work in people. And if people aren't living in his character, then there are the consequences that come from that. And Deuteronomy spoke about keeping his commandments. And Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another even as I have loved you, right? That there's something that we are to do that is in line with who God is. And we are going to see his kingdom come, as we talked about last week, taking that big picture of God's kingdom and making it something that is my participant in. And I want to do that in some ways again today, right? Our responsibility to the kingdom, our responsibility to the mix of what God is doing is an important thing. We know that God is working. Paul tells us in Ephesians that through the revelation of the anointed one, this is Ephesians 1, verses 9 and 10, the anointed one who is Jesus, he unveiled his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, This detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages when it finally reaches its climax, when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Now, this is the message translation, and I love it because he's doing this through all periods of time. He was doing it for Daniel. He was doing it for the early church. And he is doing it for us now. He is making all things new and inviting us to be participants of that. I I believe that part of God making all things new is also making us new. right? And it's not a one-time thing. I don't know about you guys. We've talked about this before. Repentance doesn't just happen once. It doesn't just happen at at an altar call at a church. It happens daily. 
right? Where you injure someone with your words or you do something that you know was wrong or, or hurtful or damaging even in your relationship with God and you have to repent and there's a renewing that takes place over and over again. Chapter 9, starting at verse 1, says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the numbers of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the eyes of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Daniel had a life of tradition that he maintained through his time in exile. A faith that he held onto, a faith passed down to him through the generations and a faith, a faith that was found it in their holy text, the scriptures. And so in Jeremiah, both in Jeremiah 25, 11, and in Jeremiah 29, 10, we read, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So Daniel reads this in the prophet Jeremiah's writings and he starts calculating. This is what Jeremiah said. This is when Jeremiah said it, and it should be coming up. As he was reading these words, he was filled with hope at the prospect that the time is going to be fulfilled. At least that's what he thought at the beginning. We, too, have a faith that we hold on to. We have a faith that is really built on three things. And this is where I I get the idea or the symbol of a tricycle. The, The front wheel is our experience with God. A lot of people push back and say, oh, no, it's not about experience. But it's really the thing that probably influences most of what we believe is our experiences where we've grown up, the things that we've taught. If you grew up in a Pentecostal church, for example, you have a certain way of doing things. Think of the book of Acts. The book of the Acts of the apostles are their experiences. Another wheel in that tricycle is traditions. As those experiences were taking place, they became traditions, like the breaking of bread. Right? A, a tradition that we have, that we saw, that the early church had. And there's only one place really in Scripture and Paul's writings that we know that the church continued what Jesus did in that upper room. And so it's become a tradition. And so we have the experiences from God. We have the traditions set down in the church. And then the third wheel is the scriptures. We have the scriptures that bind these things that are helping us to connect to our traditions and our understanding and our experiences. These three things are, are part of who we are. And so Daniel is leaning on, again, these traditions, the experiences he's experienced with God through his time, even in exile. And he's 
holding on to that. And I was just wanting to, to go back because I think it's important we understand, I mean, our time at Genesis, since Genesis has been here, we have gone through the entire New Testament, which is 27 books. We've gone through some of those books multiple times, especially the Gospels. We've gone through most of the epistles a couple of times. We've gone through Genesis, Joshua twice, Ruth, Esther, Nehemiah, Psalms, Proverbs, Lamentations twice. I don't know why I went to Lamentations twice. Sad person, I guess. But anyway, Ecclesiastes twice, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 41 of the 66 books in the Bible we have gone through. It is part of our tradition. It is part of this tricycle. It is part of who we are. And so Jeremiah is holding on to this hope. And and this is where we get these things. Even as Daniel, excuse me, was holding on to the hope that he read in Jeremiah. And even as Daniel looked at Jeremiah and got hope, I'm looking here at Daniel and getting hope. I'm reading this and things are jumping out at me as well. And I'm having to allow the spirit of God to work through the scripture in my life. And that's exactly what we see happening here. We are a people who are shaped by the scriptures, by our history and by our experiences. And so they're necessary in our lives. That's why we go through the scriptures. That's why we pray. That's why we gather together. All these things are part of this tricycle that we are riding through life. And in reading the scriptures, Daniel was moved to remember, and then he was moved to prayer. And this is what moved me, was Daniel's prayer. And we start in verse 3. And he says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confessions, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and your rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers. And to all the people of the land, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness but to us, open shame as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which have driven them, you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you, to us. O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, our God, by walking in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confined his words, confirmed his words, 
which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought us brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, Let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. For our own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. As Daniel is moved to this prayer, and later the vision and reading of Jeremiah, he was moved because he read something He understood how it implied to him, and so he prayed. I, too, read this, and something struck me. See, Daniel is one of these guys who, if you've ever been to a graduation ceremony, you know that they all wear the robes, but some people have those ribbons around them, right? They're valedictorians and they're part of the dean's list and they have all these things. And some people, I didn't have any of those, right? I mean, some people have all the ribbons and all the, and they have different, you know, and it's like, oh, these people, they did this, they did this, they they are excelling. And so they're, they're marking them. They're standing them out by putting those little banners on them and all the accolades that go with that. That's who Daniel was, Right. Daniel did not defile himself with the king's delicacies, right? He maintained his tradition when he was taken captive and brought into the king's palace to be a servant. He refused to do the things that defiled his traditions, his beliefs. That was the strength of character that he had. He heard from God and revealed and interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Right? None of the other magicians and wise people could do it, but Daniel could. He not only gave the interpretation, he told the king what the dream was because there is a God who does these things. When he was entrapped... 
because they knew he would pray faithfully to God three times a day looking towards Jerusalem. The reason they could have trapped him because he was faithful in his prayer. He was also bold in his prayer where he left the windows open. He didn't care if they knew he was praying. He refused to bow down to the image of the king. And because of that, he was thrown into the lion's den, but he did not get eaten. Again, we are seeing all the ribbons on him, right? This is the valedictorian, valedictorian, right? He, he is the one who is God's faithful servant. He had the courage to stand before King Darius when the writing was on the wall, right? Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. Your days are numbered. You have been weighed in the balance of God and found wanting. He stood before the king and said that to his face. This is who Daniel is. This is the character of this man. And yet, when he starts praying, this faithful prophet with this long obedience in the same direction, this Hebrew valedictorian says, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly. We have not listened to your servants and the prophets. We have rebelled against them. We have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God. We do not present our pleas before you. It seemed like he did. It seemed like Daniel did all the things he was supposed to do, but he includes himself in this prayer as we. And there is an uncomfortable and unfair identification with his people. It's uncomfortable because that means that the problems they had, he is taking them with himself. It's unfair because I didn't do these things. Daniel was faithful. Daniel was praying, but he identified himself with the people more than with himself. which is a difficult thing to do. This attitude bothers me. This attitude humbles me. And this attitude teaches me. It bothers me because it seems unfair. It humbles me because I think Daniel was a lot better person than I am. And it teaches me how to be a better person. Paul told the faltering Corinthian church, the church that had just so many issues, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I think it's hard for us to grasp that we live so much of an individualistic life where when we read in the scripture, you are, I am the vine, you are the branches. We think it's personal to us and don't see that he's talking to a group of people. We lose sight of the fact that we are indeed the body of Christ that scripture would say. 
and start seeing ourselves as just doing, you know, our own thing, the hand doing this, the foot doing that, living our lives in that way. And it's too easy for me and for us to separate ourselves from one another in these ways because of so many things, right? We have so many denominations. There's doctrinal differences. There's political differences, right? Someone, a dear friend talked to me this week and was concerned because I was a Democrat. And I'm not, right? It's like, I, 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 but they were concerned that I was. Um, and I'm not a Republican either. So, hey, if you want to talk to me about what I am and why I am what I am, I'd love to, right? It's going to be a long conversation, but hey, let's go for it. I, I have no problem with that. But again, these are things that are separating us from one another. Or there's the social issues that cause divide, and we forget that we are part of the same body. And when I ask the question, how many churches are there in the Inland Empire, there should be the resounding answer, one, right? There's only one, and it looks very different. And there should be an understanding that I'm part of the one. And if there's one that's suffering or one that is doing things that I feel are harmful, then I hurt for that and I've got to pray for that as well. But I'm a part of it. I have to see it as family and not as the others. Jesus said in Matthew 7, and again, this is the message translation. I just, Eugene Peterson captured so many things with his words as I was going through this. He said, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's the whole traveling roadshow mentality over all again, playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. I speak to a lot of people who have been wounded by the church, right? Wounded by the evangelical fundamental church and probably in part because it's part of my story, right? It's something that I've experienced. But if I think that I now have a place to be above the evangelical fundamental church, then I'm sorely mistaken, right? Because maybe I've received judgment from others, but then by all means, I've also given it, right? And you can be whatever you want to call. I don't know. We've been called so many things, right? If you want to name us as something, whether it's progressive, one time people called us, you know, forget what the word was emerging yeah we're emerging i don't even know what it is and i was called it right it doesn't matter the label 
you have the ability to be judgmental. And I've been as judgmental in my position towards others as others have been towards me, just being honest. And just, again, seeing something like this from Daniel, where he says, we have done this, we have done this, and saying, no, Daniel, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't. But he didn't see himself a part of that. He saw himself with it. I'm not separated from my people. I am. These are my people. This is my family. And we have done these things. I think if we're not careful, hurt turns into pride. It puts us in a place where because I've been hurt, I think I'm entitled to more. I remember one of the last things my mom said to me. She said, I think you're going to be okay because you're not as angry as you used to be. And I knew what she meant. But I'm sorry, I'm still as proud. And it's hard for me not to be reactive. Or I have to stop and I have to look at myself as the we And when I get criticized or challenged to not try and defend myself because that's my leaning, I I want to. I I would love to combat people with some things. I mean, I I can use the Bible very cleverly, and I think I know it somewhat well, where I, I can defend my position, but I'm not here to defend my position. I'm here to be a part of this body, and I want this body to move forward, and I don't want to be limited by my position and alienate someone else in my body. And it's important that I understand this mentality. Paul would say it in this way in Philippians. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look at his own interests, but also at the interests of others. Right? We don't think we defeat pride by being humble. We defeat pride by caring. I'm not going to be better by just being humble because... How do you be humble, right? Be humble isn't doing something. It's a characteristic. It's an attitude. It's Daniel's prayer, identifying himself with a people, even though he wasn't doing the things they were doing. And he said, I'm with you. He was lowering himself. He was elevating them and to a position of brotherhood. You and me, we're family and, and we're in this together. And gosh, if there's ever a time we need that, it's now. We're in this together. And yes, I have disagreements and it's okay to have disagreements. I have no problem with people who are doing things. Well, I shouldn't say that. I do have problems. That's my problem, right? I, I, I get so caught up when people are doing something a certain way and I just like, oh, that aggravates me and it's okay to be aggravated, but it's important to be identifying yourself on the same place. You are my brothers. You are my sisters. We are in this together. And if I don't love you, the way I love my own grandchildren, 
then something's wrong with me. Because Jesus died to make us family. And am I going to make that less by not caring for you more? And it's a challenge. Now we know we should not do anything out of selfish ambition. We, we know that we are to, to lift others above ourselves. We, we've heard this. We've read it, studied it, and been taught this. But it's still hard to live it, isn't it? It is for me. And I think it goes back to, to seeing ourselves in that individualistic ideal instead of the collective. Daniel did not blame his countrymen for the faults of his nation. He saw himself as part of it, even though he wasn't the one doing it. He took the blame and the responsibility, though he didn't do the actions. Now, who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus. All right. Second Corinthians Paul says, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. That's what Jesus did. He considered others more important self. He gave his life a ransom. Daniel did not have a me and them mentality. He had an us mentality that enabled him to intercede. And I think to be heard. I, I, I think having this idea of I'm with you gave him the ability to care enough to be a part of this conversation. And I think God, hearing that person who is striving and doing these things, but identifying himself with those who weren't, I think those are the things that move the heart of God, whatever that looks like, however that looks. And, and it's, an, again, an example to me to follow in these steps. It's important that we see these things, right? You know, pride is one of those things that you don't see, but others feel. Have you ever had a splinter where you can't see it, right? It's just tiny, but you feel it. You put your pressure on it. It's like, ah, something's there. It's like, I can't see anything, but something's there. Maybe it's a little metal shaving or something like that, and it's underneath the skin, and, and it can't be seen. Pride is one of those things that we don't see, but is felt. And sometimes it, it takes others to reveal the pride until that splinter comes to the surface and can be dealt with. It's almost impossible for us to deal with it on our own. Jesus gave us an example in a story in Luke 18, a familiar story where two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and tithe all my income. Meanwhile, the tax collector sumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give mercy Forgive me, a sinner, Jesus commented. This tax man 
not the other, went away, went home, made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're not going to end, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. Again, this is the message translation, and I love this. Because none of us literally do this. I'm glad I'm not like that person. But few of us say, I am with that person, right? I am a part of the family. I am a part of the body of that person. Now, imagine that same story, but instead of Pharisee, put in the word progressive. Put in the word a denomination, put in the word evangelical, put in the word, it doesn't matter, right? You, you can put in the word liberal, conservative, fundamentalist, socialist, right? You know, this Pharisee, put in that label uh, of that person who thinks they are better than. And, and instead of the tax collector or the tax man, put in whatever name you don't think deserves to be in the presence of God. And let that play out in your emotion. All right? And maybe it's, you know, whatever it is you are. That, that's what I have to do, right? Whatever it is that you are. I'm a person who believes this way, holds this thing. That's who I am. I need to put that in the Pharisee category if I'm going to look at anyone else as they are. See what I'm saying? If I'm them and they're them, or if I'm me and they're them, I'm missing the point. I'm separating myself and thinking myself, I'm right, they are wrong. Instead of thinking that we are in this together. And I have no more right to go before God than they do. I have no more right to be heard by God than they are. So I need to have that mentality when I talk to them as well as when I talk to God. You know, so many times Jesus said things that we, we can read over and because we've heard them so many times that they don't impact us maybe the way they could or should. Jesus said in Matthew 21, I tell you that crooks and whores are going to precede you into God's kingdom. You gotta love Eugene Peterson's translation because it's meant to hit hard, right? It's meant to strike us. It's meant to cause me to step back and take stock. Crooks, and whores. I don't know about you guys, but I don't have a good impression when those words come to mind, right? I don't think highly. And Jesus says, these people will precede you in the kingdom of God. Now there's a lot more going on, but it's meant to cause a stirring up in our emotion, right? It's meant to move us into thinking, who am I? And why do I think of others in a different light? Why is there such a difference? Why is there such a a, a hesitation, such a resistance to identify with the least of these when that's exactly what Jesus did? 
Why is it so hard? Why do, what am I losing? It, it would be pride, right? And I have one final point that Jeremiah talks about, right? Jeremiah wrote 70 years for this exile, and boy, Daniel was holding on to that. Because right, Daniel's probably in his 80s right now. And he's counting back and he's going, okay, exile started back here. It should be ending soon. But it didn't. Later on, we're going to read that the messenger tells him 77s. And some people say, well, that's 70 times 7 or 70 years times 70 years. Some are saying 490 years, but maybe... It was just try to give us until the right perfect time because 70 times seven could be interpreted in that way too, right? Remember when Peter came up to Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven? And Jesus said, no, Peter, 70 times seven. He wasn't saying 490 times, right? He, he was talking about complete forgiveness. And so maybe that's what this is referring to as well. But how would Daniel respond when he hears that it's not ending right now? This this time where I'm thinking I'm going to, I'm finally going to go back to my own country. I, I'm finally going to go back and, and eat my own food, the food of, you know, my heritage and to hear the music and the singing of my people, to be able to, to see the land where I grew up and finally going to be away from this overwhelming pagan influence when I'm finally going to get to do the things that I had done the worship and the traditions that are part of my life. And then the messenger tells him, no, it's not happening. Imagine Daniel's disappointment. We've already said in a few chapters that he's been anxious, that he's been sick because of these visions. We, we see that it's causing a, a, a toll on his life and, and I imagine this would do the same thing. Imagine you think something's going to happen. This is the way it's going to be. And you find out God says, no, not quite. Pandemic's going to be over by summer. Here we are going into September, wearing masks. You know, so many people have been influenced by this. And my daughter was supposed to be married twice this year. Same person, just two different days, right? (laughs) Things didn't happen. Imagine the disappointment to hear it ain't happening in your lifetime, Danny boy. It's not for you. It must have broke his spirit, right? Because that having to wait is hard, right? Tom Petty knows waiting's the hardest part. Every day you see one more card, you take it on faith, you take it to the heart, the waiting, the hardest part. But we don't just wait, do we? We progress, we move forward. We're not standing still. We grow. We continue to participate in God's renewal of all things. Those things begin maybe with our attitudes, our growth, seeing the world different, seeing ourselves different in light of the whole of what God is doing. Listen to what God says through Jeremiah to a people who were in exile. And this probably would be where Daniel was reading in Jeremiah 29. He tells the people, build houses and make yourselves at home. 
Put in gardens and eat what grows in that country. Marry and have children. Encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's well-being. Change Babylon. Pray for America's well-being. Pray for Mexico's well-being. Pray for Syria's well-being. Pray for Haiti's well-being. Pray for China's well-being. If things go well for them, things will go well for you. You see, he's telling them, plant yourself there and make a difference. Be a part of what is happening and make a difference in what is happening. This is where we find ourselves. And I know some people are really freaking out about this election year. If that person gets elected, oh my gosh. And I said that person. I didn't say which person, right? So again, I'm, I'm not in this party thing. If that person gets elected, I'm afraid of what was gonna happen. I don't know which person's going to be elected, but I bet you whoever it is, it's not as bad as it was in Babylon for the children of Israel. I bet it's not as bad as it is for some of the people living in Syria. I bet it's not as bad for a lot of the people in the world. What I'm saying, not that we shouldn't care, I'm saying that wherever you find yourself in, make a difference. You are a part of it, make a difference in it. Sure, I want you to vote, you can do petitions, that's fine, but whatever happens, you are a part of what is going to make the difference. Make the difference. Don't complain about what isn't there. And these people, Daniel said, I am these people. Do you see the difference? Jesus stepped in and said, I am these people. He is the human one, the son of God. He said, I am them. He didn't see himself as above, but lowered himself, became a servant. He washed the disciples' feet, for goodness sake. The one who would betray him. Me, I can complain about anyone who does any little thing, let alone someone who betrays me and wash their feet and serve them. And what does God say to a people who have to wait, who have to live in the process of renewal together, who who don't have that end date and don't have, but have to live in this continuing hoping and longing. He says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Ah, I need a future. I need a hope. Where is it? It's in the promise of God. It's in that faith that we have in Christ that he is renewing all things. It goes back to these things that we've been holding on to and we have to hold on to in the midst of all the turmoil and all the uprisings that are going on. There's a seeing ourselves as a part of this creation and wanting to be a part of the renewal seeing the kingdom of God as breaking in and being present, and we get to be a part of that change. Because if we don't identify with it, we cannot intercede for it, and we will not be heard. And that's my desire, to make a difference, 
to be a part of what God is doing in the places where God is doing it, in the people that God is doing it to. And it's usually not the people you would want to associate with. It's it's usually not the people who Paul said aren't many high, not many noble, not many mighty. God has chosen the foolish things, and that's us to confound the wise, the weak things to confound the things that are mighty. I need to be one of the weak things of God so that I can bring about a mighty change in our world. Let's pray. God, help me in my attitude to humble myself, even to see this prayer of Daniel and to see his identification over and over again as he includes himself with the sin of this nation. Even though, Lord, it doesn't seem like he was doing all the things they were doing, he didn't separate himself from that. He drew near to the pain, not pulled away from it. He, he, he lowered himself, not exalted himself. And may that be a lesson we all learn. God, what would happen if we truly loved each other like you love us? Lord, who do I need to love like you love me? And what does that look like? How does that shape me, my attitude? Lord, may I wipe the sneer off of my face so that by chance I can help someone wash their face. Teach us what that means, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. May this attitude be in you that was in Christ who did not exalt himself to be equal with God but humbled himself and became a servant. And may you have hope in the God who is there to give it to you as well as a future. God bless you guys. Love you. Miss you. Again, sign up if you want to be here. We want to see you here. So please, I'd like to be able to say, hey, maybe next week. But sign up if you want to be here, if you feel comfortable. God bless you guys. Love you. Take care. Love one another. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.